It isn't much fun being sold to. And if you've ever felt pressured into hitting targets, it's not much fun feeling like you're being pushy either. That's why I've dedicated this episode to what Dan Pink calls non-sales selling. It's partly a review of his book To Sell is Human, a way of approaching sales that feels more gentle more collaborative, and more enjoyable for both sides. My name's Andrew Thorpe. Welcome to Leaning Forward. I first came across Daniel H. Pink through his hugely popular TED Talk on motivation. He's an American author who originally trained as a lawyer, moved into politics and economic policy. He was Al Gore's speechwriter for a couple of years, and then packed it all in to eventually become a successful writer. I remember that TED talk primarily for one thing. His idea that there are three key factors which determine how motivated an employee is. This only works if they're doing what he calls cognitive labour. Stuff you do with a keyboard, for example, not digging ditches. And where their salary isn't a burning source of injustice for them. And those factors are autonomy, mastery and purpose. We like to be left alone to get on with things, not be micromanaged. We like to feel we're getting better at what we do. And we need to feel that our work is serving some broader purpose. A few years ago, I travelled to Liverpool to watch him speak at the university. And again, one moment stood out for me. He asked us all a question. Who makes the best salespeople, introverts or extroverts? Now, we were all sitting there thinking, well, it should be extroverts, but maybe it's a trick question. So I'll say introverts. Neither, he said. Ambiverts make the best salespeople. Now, I'd never heard of the term ambivert, but I guessed it was similar to ambidextrous. It's the ability to adapt, to switch when the need arises. There are times when we need to dial it down and we'll sometimes have to step up and be more assertive. We have to read the person in front of us, to read the situation and adjust our behaviour. It's something we talked about in another episode of Leaning Forward, where I interviewed my nephew, Chris. Someone who's more on the introverted side, but who's learned to adapt to a senior role in the corporate world. It's this ambiversion and some of the other skills associated with non-sale selling that I want to explore in this episode. They're encapsulated in one of Pink's books. It's called To Sell is Human. Now, I'm not going to sum up all of its content, but instead I'm going to highlight a few things that resonated with me, and hopefully you'll see some relevance and value in your world. He starts by suggesting that the average person has a pretty dim view of the word sales or selling. 
In a survey where people were asked to suggest a word or phrase they associated with it, popular answers included pushy, sleazy, manipulative, high-pressured, and he even uses the term hoodwinkery. A lot of people bristle at the notion that they're in sales, but Pink claims that, and I quote, people are spending about 40% of their time at work engaged in non-sales selling, persuading, influencing, and convincing others in ways that don't involve anyone making a purchase. We might not like to admit it, but all of us spend time trying to persuade and influence, both at work and at home. If you've succeeded in persuading your teenage child to tidy their room, you might already be using some of the techniques that he's describing in the book. He talks about a shift in the way that selling works these days. In the old days, the seller had knowledge, which the buyer lacked, hence the phrase caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. Think of the stereotypical salesman in a, in a sharp suit, hoodwinking the ignorant customer into paying over the odds for something they can't afford and don't need. But these days, thanks largely to the internet, customers may be more informed than the seller, having read or watched detailed online reviews. And he calls this caveat venditor, let the seller beware. It's all led to a situation where selling is not so much about an impressive pitch which gets someone to sign on the dotted line. It's more collaborative, more consultative. It's a dialogue, and it leads to a solution which is effectively co-created between the seller and the buyer. In effect, each side is educating the other. Um, and it's much like the, uh, the doctor-patient relationship where um, the medical expert needs to learn about the patient's symptoms and their lifestyle and their circumstances. They need to gain a sort of a, um, a holistic understanding of the situation that the patient's in in order to diagnose and then hopefully prescribe um, a treatment. So let's apply the ambiversion principle to this. Imagine you're an extrovert. Uh, you like talking. You like having an, a, an appreciative audience. You're a consultant of some kind and you're facing a potential client who's rather shy and perhaps embarrassed about their plight. In this situation, you might want to dial it down, ask more questions, listen carefully, give the other person time and space to explain things without feeling judged or under pressure. You're effectively taking the focus off you and onto the other person, and in doing so, you may discover that the solution that you were so keen to promote originally actually isn't the right approach at all. But what if you're more of an introvert? Perhaps you're the person who struggles to speak in a meeting. You're always processing what you hear, preparing the thing that you want to say, but never quite finding the right words. And by the time you've plucked up the courage to speak, the moment's passed and they've moved on to another topic. In this situation, you might have to find the courage to ask your question, even if it's not perfectly phrased. Your ambiversion involves assertiveness, or in the case of my nephew, who's a leader who prefers to listen, stating at the beginning 
that you're going to remain quiet for a while before you pitch in with any feedback. He's effectively showing confidence by stating that he's not going to say very much. The one approach that can benefit both extroverts and introverts is to be curious. If you're good at asking questions, you'll make the other party feel valued, respected, and maybe even flattered. You'll gain valuable intelligence, which helps you come to that co-created solution, and you may even come across as charming. We're going to take a quick break now to hear from a fellow storyteller and podcaster, Stefano Capacchioni. He's a wizard with words, a collector of tales, and I'd thoroughly recommend his show, Storytelling with Puck. Here he is to tell you more. The story I'll, I'll read for you. The Once with Three Little Girls. This is a dream that I think really shows how we view transformation. Dreams, emotions, empathy, connection, stories. Storytelling with Puck. Find your next tantalizing tale on your favorite podcast platform or at puckcreations.com forward slash storytelling with Puck podcast. Thanks, Stefano. And now back to the theme of non-sales selling. Listeners to this podcast will know of my love of the movies. And there's one film that really captures some old-school, hard-nosed, manipulative selling tactics, and it's called Glengarry Glen Ross. It features the seedier side of real estate sales in the 1990s. There's a scene where Alec Baldwin is tearing into some underperforming salesman, and he uses the acronym ABC, and it means always be closing, summing up that pressure to hit the target. But Pink puts forward an alternative, something suited to this more collaborative approach to sales, and his ABC is attunement, buoyancy, and clarity. Now, I think of attunement as getting on someone's wavelength, and we do that in many ways, um, finding common ground, showing empathy for the way that they're feeling, um, the facial expressions that we use, the way we position our body. For example, um, an adult serving in a school uniform store would normally make themselves shorter. They crouch down to the level of the child and use simple language when they're dealing directly with the child. Pink reminds us that while empathy is about understanding feelings, perspective taking is more about understanding what someone is thinking, what their, what their interests are. And he mentions a test which has been used for years by social scientists. It's called the E-test. Let's give it a try and I'll pause for a moment while you do it. Using your dominant hand, Click your fingers five times. Then use your forefinger to draw a capital E on your forehead. So which way did you draw it? Was it facing in to you or was it the right way round for your audience? It may have something to say 
about your capacity to take someone else's perspective. I won't dwell on buoyancy too much other than to point out that you need a degree of resiliency if you're in sales. You need a thick skin, and some call it bounce-back ability, when you're faced with what Pink calls an ocean of rejection. But let's think about his C for a moment, that's clarity. He reminds us that we live in an age where information is plentiful. The problem isn't having enough information. It's about sifting through it all, deciding what matters and what doesn't, seeing patterns and making sense of what we see. This is where consultants provide value as problem finders. I'm sure you've occasionally been presented um, with a problem where someone tells you what the issue is, in their opinion, um, but it actually turns out to be something rather different. Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmare series might be heavily edited, and I suspect a fair amount of creative license applies. But one thing that happens at the start rings true. Gordon arrives at um, the failing restaurant, uh, an establishment that needs turning around in some way, and he asks the owner what the problem is, and their answer is usually not enough customers. But of course, that's a symptom. The root cause goes deeper, and it's usually down to poor leadership. Pink cites the example of Mentos, the confectionery brand. Now, Mentos representatives who visit customer outlets think of themselves as trusted advisors rather than salespeople. They're experts in the confectionery business, and they may even advise customers to reduce their Mentos range in the short term if they see a problem with the overall mix of sweet brands in the store. And they do this because they know both businesses will benefit in the long run. The final thing I want to highlight is a section called pitching. There's a useful tip about email subject lines, a way to get your email read rather than rejected. And two factors, according to Pink, determine success. Firstly, how useful your email sounds. That's utility. And secondly, how intriguing it is. That's curiosity. Now, interestingly, utility is more important when the person reading it is really busy. But if they're under less time pressure, curiosity comes into play. And if I relate this to a headline about, say, non-sale selling, utility might be Selling techniques to help consultants bring in business. Curiosity might be, can shy people sell? And a third component, perhaps to make it even better, is specificity. Six easy ways for shy people to sell with confidence. Pink is actually one of my favourite thought leaders, and I love the way he highlights the work of others. One such person is Kathy Salit, S-A-L-I-T. She's a former actor who uses improv or improvisation to help professional people communicate more effectively. And in researching his book, Pink actually got his hands dirty by attending one of her workshops. He talks about the importance of hearing offers in a conversation. Now, this might be familiar to you, 
if you've had sales training, an offer might be a buying signal. Does it come in red? Is a pretty clear indication that the buyer is interested. But Salit gave him some very interesting advice. Don't listen for anything. If you've got in your mind, I want to sail out of this person, or I've got to get my pitch across, you're effectively listening with an agenda. In an improv scene, that might mean that you're waiting for a chance to say a pre-rehearsed line, and all improv professionals will tell you the worst thing that you can do is try to be funny by planning what you're going to say. If you're in the business of selling a product or advice, it's tempting to have that agenda in mind, but this means that you're not listening openly. You're not listening to understand. You're waiting to reply. Improv teaches us to leave our ego behind, to effectively empty ourselves and be open to whatever comes our way. If you're trying to come across as clever and impressive, you're not serving your audience. An improv scene, like any consultation, works better when you make your fellow performer shine. This is by no means a comprehensive overview of Daniel Pink's book, but I hope I've selected a few nuggets for you that feel relevant and potentially useful. I love the clarity, the simplicity and the practicality of his advice. And this particular book gives hope to those of us who are tasked with bringing in business, but maybe don't consider ourselves to be natural salespeople. I'd recommend that you seek him out, whether it's his written work or the short video clips that he shares through the Pinkcast site, and I'll include links in the episode notes. That's all for now from Leaning Forward. I urge you to try some of the techniques that we've explored today, and do check out my good friend Stefano Capacchione and his show Storytelling with Puck. You can find it where you normally listen to your podcasts or at puckcreations.com forward slash storytelling with puck podcast. See you next time.